Welcome to the DFW Child Podcast, a place for local parents to tell their stories, share mom truths, and dig deeper into real issues, all while celebrating this crazy, challenging, beautiful journey called parenthood. Let's welcome our host, Brittany McElroy. Maintaining a strong and healthy marriage takes work. Sometimes it can be hard to connect in the midst of all the craziness of raising our kids, or right now when we're spending a lot of time with our families at home because of the pandemic. Maybe you need some ideas on how to make your relationship less mundane, or a structure for communicating and having tough conversations. So this week on the DFW Child Podcast, we're bringing in some experts to help make the most of the most important relationship in our lives. Dr. Kara Shade has a PhD in family studies and built a career in helping couples prepare for marriage. That's where I spent a lot of my time kind of with workshops and with private sessions was during those big early relationship transitions, moving in, getting married, having children. She has spent years diving into research on relationships. And one of the main challenges she sees couples with kids face is making time for each other, not just time to be parents together, but time to be a couple outside of your kids. For a lot of couples, it's that distraction-free quality time that really just goes by the wayside. So it becomes hard to schedule date nights. It becomes hard to just have time that isn't about diapers or nap schedules or grocery lists and all the to-dos and the responsibilities, which it's totally understandable. I mean, we're just, we're zapped and our our brains are exhausted from all these things we juggle all day, but we start to phone in the really core relationship. Which is why she thinks research shows a lot of couples experience the biggest drop in satisfaction in their relationship after that first baby comes home. Sometimes half to two thirds of couples show this sharp decline over that first year And a lot of it is predictable stuff you would expect. I mean, it's we're sleep deprived. We have all these new roles, these new responsibilities. We've got um, just poop everywhere. Sorry, that's gross. But it's like we got we got, you know, but it's true. We've got, um, you know, the bottles, the feedings, feeding on demand, just all the interruptions. So all that stuff starts to fracture intimacy and it starts to kind of suck some of that humor and that fun out because we get into a survival mode and uh, we're not using that higher order thinking to plan great dates and be spontaneous. We're just trying to trudge along and get through the day. It doesn't stop after the diaper stage either. It's easy for your lives as a family to revolve around the kids' schedules. If our kids thrive at our expense as a couple, like that's not a good deal either. So, and, and that's kind of, you hear the whole kids first thing that a lot of people say, and this is going to sound um, harsh, but the couples who put their kids first, they're, they're the couples that get into trouble because we see those couples often as later divorcing couples, or you see them at, okay, our kids are now 20, 25 years old, they're going to college or they're graduating from college we've put them first. We've made everything about the kids, every conversation, every decision, every activity, all of our time. And we have totally lost touch with each other. Her number one piece of advice to couples dealing with this is to make date night a priority. Setting aside the time is part of it, but there are also a few rules she recommends to make the most of that time. 
the biggest rule, it has to be fun. It can be tempting to jump into serious conversations that do need to happen at some point, but if those conversations aren't fun, they do not belong in date night. And when you make the time, you've got to keep conflict out of it. You can't argue about the stuff from the day. You can't just rehash all your work stress, all your toddler potty training drama stress. Like, not now. You, you have to have those conversations. You don't talk about the bills during date night. You don't talk about the potty training during date night. Like, separate time and place. Um, and that boundary, I think it's really blurry for people um, when you're a couple and it's just we're doing life and this is the stuff we got to talk about. No, but not on date night. If you struggle with this, try giving each other 10 minutes to vent uninterrupted before the date starts. Get it all off your chest and then move on. You don't interrupt. You don't give advice. You don't jump in and share yours. You, you can nod. You can mm-hmm and yeah, and you can ask a clarifying question, but you let me vent and do it my way and don't direct it and ask questions you just let me do it and then time's up and you kind of say you know something validating validating the emotion of wow it sounds like you were really upset about whatever happened in that meeting or it sounds like you're really sad about how things you know went with your mom the other day or about the phone call you had or something and then you switch your partner gets that 10 minutes so can you find time for that 20 minute exercise where you and your partner then stay apprised of the big stuff that's going on in each of your lives that's a stressor. You get an opportunity to vent it out, to validate each other, and then you kind of close the book, hopefully, and then move on to then spending some of the time in the fun. Instead of having a two-hour event session or a three-hour event session, how that stuff can go, um, by making it time-sensitive, it, it just we kind of can put it somewhere and share it and then it doesn't go on and on and on. Another thing she says is important, especially right now while people find the days blurring together as we live through a pandemic, how is date night different than other nights? How do we kind of still work in novel experiences? And we actually found something called the Adventure Challenge. It's like these scratch-off books that have 50 experiences and it's like a couple's version or a family version and a lot of them are low-cost ideas things you can do at home they tell you how much time the activity takes and you scratch it off and there's some new experience that you've probably never had before um, so stuff like that's really good or just brainstorming and dropping them in a fishbowl like if we have a free night what movies would you want to see what restaurants would you want to try what games do you want to play what conversations do you want to have whatever put them in a fishbowl and mix it all up and let couples pick something out she thinks getting out of the house is great but if you can't either because of childcare issues or because of the covid 19 pandemic she says you can still have a great date night at home if you follow similar rules make it special don't just sit on the couch and watch the same show you always do on netflix and don't let yourself fall into the trap of getting chores done just because you're at home. On date night, the laundry can wait. A final date night rule. Know when to put your phone and work up. If you don't need to respond to that email right now, do it later. We, we have this sense of just urgency that a lot of us have invented that isn't really there. Kara describes what she does as maintenance. I use the car analogy a lot of 
when couples come to me, it's like getting an oil change for your car. You don't come in when it's on fire and the wheels are falling off. That's more therapy territory for an intervention. But I do a lot of that preventive stuff of, hey, we just want to tune up. We want to just make sure we're kind of checking in, that we're, we're on course, that this little thing doesn't become a bigger thing, and then put them back on the road and they're good to go. She feels getting professional guidance before your relationship is in crisis mode is a good idea. Whether through in-person sessions, reading a book together, or looking at online relationship resources, it's like an investment. Research tells us a few different things. So Gottman's research talks about five to one ratios. That's kind of the magic number people hear about. Five to one ratio of for five positive things in a relationship, you can kind of handle one negative. So in conflict, that's the number. So even if you and your husband are in an argument, happy, stable couples tend to still have five positives for every negative. So for every snide remark or rolled eyes or huff or raise, raising your voice, whatever it is, you're going to have five things that are either maybe it's a pat on the arm or the shoulder, or maybe it's a little bit of a smile, or maybe it's a nod of affirmation, or there are all these subtle little things and couples that are happy, we see tend to do more of those positives, even when they're not happy with each other. Um, couples in distress are kind of doing one-to-one -one or less. So for every good thing, bad thing, good thing, bad thing, they just cancel each other out. She also thinks this kind of maintenance work can help normalize therapy or getting some sort of professional help later on if a marriage or relationship is really in trouble. Hey, we've already done a class. We've already kind of been through a marriage prep. We're kind of comfortable having a third party to talk to and to learn stuff from. So it's sort of like a, a gateway where then, especially with men, a lot of times it's like, oh, okay, this wasn't bad. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. This, this isn't scary. This, but then there's some comfort with it. And for a lot of people, bigger stuff, if you're talking infidelity, if you're talking anything related to abuse or addiction at all, if you have any serious mental health type of concerns for either of you, that's absolutely call a therapist today. Most of them do free consultations. But therapy isn't just for couples facing issues like infidelity or abuse. It may not be a big thing. It may be a slow feeling of growing apart or being dissatisfied or of um, a lot of it's just disconnection, I think, for a lot of people for a, a number of different reasons. So if you sense that, then get into some kind of program with probably a therapist is, is a good thing because then you can get into um, just your story as a couple and, and kind of where you've come from and what's going on and do it in depth and do it over time um, where you can really start to grow and change in that, in that environment together. And it's not like it has to be for years. I mean, some couples maybe can go for a month or two and then they're like, okay, we went once a week for a month or two. We've got some new insights into what's been going on. We've got some new strategies. We're good. We're ready to take this stuff and implement it. We know we've got a safe place to come back if we get get off course or we start to feel adrift that we, we can't kind of control on our own and we want help. Um, so I, I think that's a really natural, normal thing. I think more couples are seeing therapists than they're ever going to admit to you. Your friends may not admit that to you. They don't, I think there's just that stigma of if I tell somebody I'm, we're seeing a therapist, they're going to think we're getting a divorce or they're going to think we're in distress or we're in trouble. Um, it's nobody's business what you do. 
to make your marriage better. She also stresses that there are different types of therapists, so take the time to find someone who's a good fit for you. If you like the emotion piece, then emotionally focused and diving deep into attachment and your family of origin and kind of bonding with your partner and that kind of stuff is a good fit for some people. And some people are going to be like, no, this is not, this is not working for me. I want something more solution focused, or I want something that's more just focused on behaviors. I don't want to get into the touchy feely. So find somebody who's a good fit. And especially as a couple, somebody you're both going to feel comfortable with. Long, happy relationships do not happen by accident. They're deliberate and they're intentional. They have routines, they have rituals, you know, talking in bed at night. If it's something you do on the weekend, we go to the farmer's market, we do this or that or the other, but you start to build these little small routines and rituals that you look forward to in your day. And they make you look forward to your time together. And those kind of consistencies cannot be made up for in grand sweeping gestures. Whatever the routines are that you build day in and day out, I mean, that's, that's the life that you have together. You can't do in one four-day vacation what you're not doing the 361 other days of the year. Like, it's a lot of pressure on one trip. It may be a great trip, but if you are not intentional all the other days of the year, then that trip is not enough to save a marriage. Um, it can be a lot of fun, it can be great, but it's kind of like the fireworks, but you need like the slow burn kind of idea too of just what's going to maintain this day in and day out. Um, and it's little stuff, the, the little rituals of connection, the little acts, the little ways you turn toward each other. Um, that's the life that you build. That's the way that you are together day in and day out. And if you like the way that you feel when you're together and when, when you're around each other, when you're interacting with each other, and that's played out day in and day out, then that starts to have staying power over time. That's a relationship you want to be in. That's a place you want to stay. Dr. Kara Shade owns a company called Grounded and Good based in Allen. She sells relationship-themed gifts with research-based practical advice included with each purchase. You can find her at groundedandgood.org. After the break, we'll discuss tough conversations and how you can use them to help build a stronger relationship. DFW Child Magazine's Real Kids Casting Call is now open for children up to 12 years old. Enter your child today to be considered as a 2021 magazine cover model. Each child will also be seen by Kim Dawson Agency, Wallflower Agency, and Grogan Management Agency, three leading talent agencies who are always looking for fresh new faces. Enter today at dfwchild.com realkids. Before the break, we talked a lot about how to make time for your partner and the importance of fun, but good communication skills are another important part of building a strong marriage or relationship. Dr. Harville Hendricks and Dr. Helen LaKelly Hunt have spent decades writing books, conducting seminars, and training counselors on marriage, love, and relationships. Helen and I are partners in life, and we are also partners in work. Uh, primarily life and work have blended and become one thing for us, and what our work is, is uh, helping people connect. They have found every issue boils down to the fact that people are different. So we spent a lot of time on that question. What is it that makes difference so challenging and, you know, and, and is the primary tier 
of the second tier things. There are all the second tier things, communication, sexuality, money, where do we go on vacation, who's gonna, whose rules are going to apply to the children, but they're all secondary to the primary one that, it, that, uh, that I don't like the way you do it. To make any relationship work, romantic or otherwise, we have to learn how to deal with those differences. When working with couples, they ask them to do three things. Identify the childhood challenges they had and how that affects their communication now. Use structured dialogue and commit to zero negativity in your relationship. They call the process safe conversations. Now let's dive into what each of those things mean. The childhood challenge is part of recognizing how your past affects your present. If they want to have a healthy relationship, if they can both pause and look back into how they were raised and identify a childhood challenge they had, it creates empathy for each other. It can also create an awareness as to how they want to be communicated with. For example, if someone felt abandoned as a child, they might need more affirmation as an adult. The second thing they ask of couples they work with is to use a structured dialogue process. It starts by requesting an appointment when you want to have a conversation. Is now a good time to talk? And if the partner says, well, actually not, then that should be okay. Uh, but they should say, but I can be in 10 minutes or, or it's going to be tomorrow before I'm available for a talk. And so couples become partners then in how to set up a conversation. This lets both parties feel prepared. During the conversation, use I statements. I need to be responsible and say, I think, feel, want, care, rather than you, 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 you. Because every time I use the word you, when I'm talking to Helen, even if it's positive, her brain has a micro moment of anticipation that if I use the word you, I'm going to say something negative. When responding, mirror what the other person has said to clarify. You um, would say back to me, so let me see if I'm getting that. That's called the mirror back. And couples can learn to do that. Helen can say, so if I got that, Harville, you're you don't want to take a walk today. It's too hot to take a walk. Am I getting that? You check it out. Am I getting that? Because we don't get things accurately either. We, we have a 30% retention rate. So you have to, in other words, you have to learn something about how we work and then use it in optimally. And the third piece that we found to, to just blow us, blow our minds was uh, to say, is there more about that? That when we say, instead of saying, okay, I heard you, now let me tell you what I think. Instead, you say, well, if I got that, uh, did I get it? And she says, well, yeah, you got it. Uh, then I say, well, is there more? And if I say, is there more, uh, if you put an fMRI scanner on her brain, it would move into the reward area of her brain and, and probably move out of the amygdala, which is where the fear piece is. But the is there more says, I'm interested in you. I'm not going to hurt you or yell at you or talk to you or have anything critical to say. Or if I do, I'll tell you ahead of time that I'd like to talk about a frustration I have. And now she moves to the prefrontal cortex out of her amygdala and can listen to me. But if I just tell her I'm frustrated, her amygdala is going to snap into position and going to protect her. So we say to couples, learn how to talk so that you can talk without criticism. Learn how to listen so you can listen without judgment. And then 
you can connect beyond your differences. The third piece, zero negativity, doesn't mean that you shy away from difficult conversations. It means you make it possible to have those in a way that makes the other person feel safe. Zero negativity means that families decide that they can live without negativity. And so they, uh, but, but they have to learn how to deal with their frustrations. So it doesn't mean you're not frustrated. It just means you don't make other people bad. Structuring your day to make sure you're showing appreciation for those you live with can also help improve relationships. Take turns talking and listening, and every once in a while, uh, maybe once a day, twice a day, just look at each other in the eye and say, I love you. Yeah. And things like that will just make, uh, it will help transform our relationship. While we've talked about how to use their process in a romantic relationship, they recommend using it with others too. Your kids, coworkers, even the waiter at a restaurant. You can find information about attending Safe Conversations training on their website, harvilleandhelen.com. Hopefully you can take some of the advice from these relationship experts and use it to help your own marriage or partnership. On the next DFW Child podcast episode, we are talking about other important relationships those with your friends, and with yourself. Much like your relationship with your partner, these can have a huge impact on how you function as a parent. Be sure to follow DFW Child on Facebook and Instagram so we can continue the conversation and check out the helpful parenting resources on dfwchild.com. Until next time.